You are now listening to Dawn and Sharia, the creators of Savvy Supervision System Podcast, where we meet to discuss the reality of social work supervision and give information and inspiration to support your leadership journey. So let's dig in. Hello, good people. Welcome back again. It is Sharia and Dawn. And we are here talking again with about the Savvy Supervision System podcast, but we're going to talk about different ways to make supervision exciting. <laughs> a joke about that, but I don't. Um, we're going to talk about making it exciting, but making it an experience for everyone involved to enjoy and feel supported and to also take care of themselves. Because today specifically, we are talking self-care, a little bit of the cliches around self-care making sure that we give ourselves permission. And then at the end, we're going to wrap up with some tips on tips that you can do to just kind of make sure you are checking in and doing what you need to take care of yourself. All right. As always, we are going to start with a wonderful story from Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> I love her stories. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, it didn't take long for me to really think about just my experiences in terms of self-care over the years in my career and particularly as a supervisor. And so once upon a time, I was working in a, a, a pretty large regional nonprofit organization and had, you know, moved up the food chain and was responsible pretty much for all programming. So directly and indirectly, I was responsible for about 60 staff members, roughly two, a little more than 200 volunteers, most of whom were very active because much of our programming was, you know, staffed by volunteers. And I believe my operating budget was a little more than $3 million at the time. And I just got to a point where I was overwhelmed. I was on call, even though in that position, I wasn't, I wasn't the first line of defense, if you will, um, for emergencies, but depending upon any crisis, you know, this organization, among other things, operated um, emergency homeless shelters. So if there were emergencies, the staff, the line staff would first contact the director of that shelter. And either if they didn't hear back from that director, or if they needed authorization for some sort of expense or something of that nature, I would have to be called. So technically, I was on call 24-7 for most of the month, every month, with the exception of two weekends that I would have completely, oh, wow. you know, off call. So I was on call. I often would get to the office early because I am a morning person and my, you know, my most productive time is in the morning. So I would be one of the first in the office. <clears throat> you know, at the same time, I, well, I have been from all of my adult life, um, the caretaker of my mother who is disabled. She's living with multiple sclerosis. But at that time, she, you know, had experienced some significant exacerbations of her MS. So it just, it, there was just a lot going on for me at the time. And the work, you know, was overwhelming. You know, we were working with folks who were in crisis. So 
most of our work was crisis driven and we were intervening in crises. So um, yeah, it got to a point where it was pretty overwhelming and I wasn't taking the best care of myself. Mm-hmm. And I will admit that I, at that time, I even considered switching careers, which was unheard of before then. Like I have always believed that like I am a social worker, like it's in my DNA, like Mm -hmm. I am a social worker at the core and not just because I have an MSW, right? Yeah. But I was so overwhelmed and so exhausted that the only way that I could think that I could, you know, move beyond that was to just do a different job. Like I was willing to you know, to work at 7-Eleven if I have to. But interestingly enough, I applied and got into law school, <laughs> you know, as if becoming an attorney, <laughs> you know. It's going to be a lighter load. Less stressful. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, thank goodness. I mean, no offense to any attorneys listening no, to this, but, you know, certainly, you know, decided to work it out in social work. But the overwhelm, the taking on too much, the trying to do too much, just doing the most, as we say, <laughs> um, got to a point where I got sick. And one day I just didn't feel well, but I couldn't really name what it was. And I went to see my primary care physician and he said, you are severely dehydrated, you are exhausted, and I am hospitalizing you. And he called wow. and made the arrangements for me to be admitted you know, to the hospital where I spent the night. And when he said I was dehydrated, that was what really got me because from much of my life, I, I'm a water drinker. I'm a Pisces, so I'm all about water no matter what. But I'm a big water drinker. I, for much of my life, will, including right now, drink at least a gallon of water a day, if not more, especially in the warmer months. Um, and so for him to say, like, you were severely dehydrated, like I knew was serious. Yeah. And spending the night in that hospital, you know, I, I never knew that exhaustion was a thing. I thought it was a PR tactic when celebrities were going into rehab for substance, yeah. you know, <laughs> or, you know, for mental health treatment. I always thought that, you know, it was just a PR stunt. I mean, I know in some instances it is, but I didn't know it was a thing. Yeah. And so that really changed the game for me. It was the beginning of me really taking a look at self-care, right? And not just for personal reasons, but also for professional reasons, Mm -hmm. because I wanted to ensure that I can continue to do the work, but I knew that I needed to do it in a way that really had more balance and that you know, where I was prioritizing my health. And I also realized later that working the way that I did, I was conditioning the people that I was supervising and managing to work that way well. And in a subsequent supervision session with one of my supervisees, this was, I believe, months later, but they said to me, you know, Dawn, like you're always like reminding us to take days off and to use our vacation time. And whenever they had to intervene in a crisis, I would, you know, give them some mental health time or, Mm -hmm. you know, we brought in, you know, resources, you know, we would have folks come in to teach meditation or to lead us through meditations. And they said, you know, it, 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 it was 
it was challenging because you offered us all of these resources, but we didn't always see you accessing them as well. Yeah, yeah. And if there's one thing that I want to make sure that I can do is to be in integrity. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, it, it certainly has been a journey. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm not always, you know, the self-care guru, but I can say that I am more willing to do the check-ins and to course correct, you know, Absolutely. when needed, but also to know that, like, I just, I needed to give myself permission, you know, to take the best care of myself, but also understand its impact on my work and particularly, you know, on my work as a supervisor. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, like when I'm hearing this story, I was, you know, I was thinking, oh, we're going to talk about burnout. But what I really want to talk about too is vicarious trauma, right? Mm. So the mixture of the two for our profession specifically, when it comes to the work we do, sometimes we as supervisors will think because we no longer hold the caseload quote unquote. And in some cases we still do hold the caseload and we do the supervising, right? But because we may not hold the caseload, we may not realize the exposure to that trauma is still impacting us, still causing us exhaustion, still starting to go into signs of burnout. And a Mm -hmm. lot of it is about really being able to just hear and see and recognize when I'm off my individual health journey, right? My health And my prioritizing health is not just about me. It's about all of those that I plan to care for in the community. And really what I hear there is like, yes, you were burnt out and exhausted. So that was your physical response was the burnout. But the truth of the matter is you just mentioned crisis, having 24 hours like this. And like you basically worked in an all around crisis place, which means that even if you're having a good day, the type of work that you were providing services for was automatically creating vicarious trauma, right? Mm-hmm. And so because of that, the extra the extra that we need to do to care for ourselves has to be something that we're aware of before the signs, before, or excuse me, before the actual incidents of our bodies being like, I can't do this no more, I'm shutting down. And or mm-hmm. our bodies telling us that we're using every maladaptive strategy in the world in order to survive, but we're not using the ones that we know that are going to keep us healthy and whole, right? And so it's interesting because initially we were like burnout, burnout. But when I listened to the story again, listening back, I'm like, it's burnout and vicarious trauma, right? So Mm. recognizing that our work in many times, not everybody's position, because some people are writing grants, may not have any exposure to any stories or narratives. However, for those who are, even as supervisors, we need to be aware of that that there is burnout, but there's also vicarious trauma that sometimes we think because we're not directly in contact with the client, we're not impacted. But you can see even community level work where you and your, you may not directly work with a client every day, but the help that you're trying to do for an entire community, the oppression that a community is experiencing, all of those things are impacting you. And then as a result, if you don't have a routine or a plan, or a a way that you take care of yourself consistently. And I'm also going to throw this one out here and boundaries around work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Then it becomes real easy for you to get off and, or to never even gain a routine that actually looks at you as a whole person. Right. Because the truth is, you know, I've, I've been telling people lately that I am, I love self-care is cool. But the goal for me is to impact communities. 
And the only way I can do that is to care for myself, right? And so when I'm looking Mm -hmm. at collective care, when I'm looking at community care, I'm actually looking at how I play my role as a model with behavior, but also how then I can teach generations of a new legacy around health and wellness, right? Because then it ultimately becomes the norm and expectation that we don't work ourselves to death, that we don't work ourselves to death and we, and we try to live in retirement. No, I want to travel now. I'm going to have good sex now. I'm going to do mm-hmm. things that make me happy now, right? Because I, I mentioned sex because that's a part of wellness too, right? I'm that's gonna, right. Like I'm going to do things that incorporate my whole body as part mm-hmm. of my experience in this world so that I can be good for my community so that I can show up as the best supervisor, the best person to be a friend with, the best person to be a loved one to. I can show up that way because I'm making sure that I have boundaries around how long you get me. I have boundaries around how much I eat. I have boundaries around how much I'm moving my body. I have boundaries around how I'm drinking water and monitoring if it's being successful, right? Because you're, you're right, I've never seen you not drink water like I'm like yeah, oh my yeah. whole time knowing you water has been <laughs> right so it sounds weird to even me but mm-hmm. knowing that when you were getting depleted even what you were normally doing was not enough mm. right and so being able to say what are my signs what are my triggers that something needs to change or I'm going to start spiraling down in my body no matter whether we like this or not our bodies will always tell the truth our bodies will definitely show That's us right. what we ain't doing. If you don't move it, you're going to lose it. If you don't drink some water, you're going to feel it. If you don't have some rest, you're going to know it, right? So you have to really say to yourself as the supervisor, because then I also heard you say modeling or talk about modeling the behavior. It is really hard for me to have an expectation that they take off if I never take off. That's right. It is so hard for me to have an expectation that you tell me your self-care if you'll never hear me doing nothing, saying nothing or doing anything that ain't got to do with helping taking care of myself, right? Mm-hmm. And so really it does become as a supervisor more than just talk, right? And we talk about this sometimes where it's like the things that we do in our space, like the aromatherapy, the meditations, the things that we do in our space naturally, then our staff starts to do it as well and be a part of it. That's the same with our patterns around routine. Right. And so when I think about, you know, we talked about giving ourselves permission. How do we do that? As helpers, we always are looking for the next thing to serve, the next person to serve. But the truth is, and I was doing this workout, the other, I'm, I'm in this um, workout that I was challenged with one of what my sister in love. Um, and so literally they were talking about the difference between stretching your arms and just putting this like serving plate out in front of you. And I'm going to use this example. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I realized that y'all can't see me, but I'm a person <laughs> who tells stories with their hands. Um, <laughs> like, but they're talking about using your hand as a servant to put it out to others and then to mm-hmm. pull it back in to make sure you're stretching. Right. Mm-hmm. What I got from that message was to pull it back in, in order to stretch and to make sure that you can extend to serve. Right. Wow. So you have to really pull it in for yourself, check on yourself, know what your signs that you are getting depleted are so that you don't get to the X, to the max of your burnout. But then now that you know, cause here's the thing about uh, information, we got, we got a whole bunch of information in this world, 
But if you don't give yourself permission to do it, it will not get done, which means the result will still be in the hospital, hating the job, hating your coworkers, not wanting to talk to your clients. And then ultimately no one that you intended to serve is even helped and you hate your life too, (laughs) right? So really Mm -hmm. giving yourself permission to take these steps, but then preparing, because this is going to be the coping skills slash tips slash whatever, right? But then preparing in advance. You, If you want to be successful at most things, it's going to be consistency and preparation, right? If you can prepare and be consistent, most likely you'll get the outcome, right? It's not magic. I mean, I do believe in some form of making sure that you can visualize what you want and all those things. So I don't want to take away from that experience at all. Mm But I also know that part of even knowing that is that you have to live it out, which means that you have to be consistent. You have to be doing something, right? And so when I tell people, I created this acronym for my um, trainings with uh, organizations, Um, it's called CAPS. And so it's coping strategies. You need to know them. Like, what do you need to do to cope? Like literally, like not, oh, I need to breathe. No, if that ain't for you, you need to learn how to pray. If, if prayer ain't for you, you need to learn how to stretch. If stretching ain't for you, right? So the point being that you find it if you don't know what it is, right? So coping strategies. But then you got to acknowledge your emotions and feelings. One of the hardest things to do for professionals is to acknowledge when they are tired. And that includes being tired of what you're doing. Acknowledge it so that way you can make a change in either how you're doing it and or take a vacation, take a break. You're allowed to do that. That's why they give us all this time. And America is one of the places where it's the least used in terms of vacation time. Use it or lose it, right? And so really taking that acknowledgement of what you're feeling and doing something with it, which is what P stands for, plan. I am the queen of, I have I can tell you next month I'm traveling. I can tell you the following month is um is playoffs. So you know I'm somewhere at a basketball court. I don't know which one yet, but I'm gonna find it, right? So plan because nothing feels better than hope. And so how we create hope is just to plan in advance, especially when we're looking at areas that are around our caring for ourselves. And then the last one, all right, sorry. So we did plan, and then the last one is S, which is self-care, but specifically a self-care check-in, which means that I plan my I have my plan and I say, I know my things and routines that I need to do to take care of myself, but now I'm checking in on it. And then if you're really, really good at this one, you get an accountability partner, right? So it's nothing like a coworker, another supervisor, a friend that can say, when last time you went to that dance class, you say you love. Oh, when the last time you made those beaded earrings that everybody loves and you love the excitement to see on people's face, right? When are those things that you say bring you joy? When are you really doing them, right? And so really thinking about how do I make sure I know my coping strategies? How do I know that I can actually acknowledge my emotions around what I do and what I love and what I don't, right? Because that's true too. (laughs) How do I plan? And then literally, how do I do a self-care check-in? as often as possible. It can be something as simple as in the morning time. Did I remember to breathe? Did I take five minutes at lunch to just be present with my own physical body? Did I make mm. a, Did I take a moment to actually tell my partner that I love them? Did I actually, right? So I have this new thing that in my uh, <laughs> teeth or my husband will uh, is laughing every day because every night before we go to bed, I've been um, telling him I'm saying out loud what I feel about you. 
So whatever I'm feeling the day, he is getting. And so some days it's like, I don't really like your attitude. I need to express <laughs> to you the truth in order for us to resolve it. But what I'm also doing is I'm no longer bottling in the things that yes. are going to keep me from being unhappy or keep me unhappy. Right. And so really just thinking about how do we serve others by pulling back in to stretch ourselves further? We have to take care of ourselves. And I, I mean, I know that that lady did not intend for her stretching thing to be a example that I would use, but that's all I could think of. I was like, wow, it's so perfect. Though. What a what a concept, which is that especially because I believe so strongly in community and collective care. It allows you to see that self-care isn't selfish. It's actually going to be the only way that you can really truly be a servant. So I hope that we gave you something here today. I usually will give examples, but I think we talked through something even just by my talking. Um, <laughs> as well as, you know, I'm always doing self-care tips on one of the, my def, uh, social media lives. So you'll always be able to get some from me anyway. Um, Dawn, thank you for sharing that story because I do think that it was very vulnerable, but it also is very mm -hmm. truthful to many of our experiences and no one speaks about them out loud. And so Absolutely. I thank you just personally, because I know there was a time in my career where that phys physical consequence happened to me and it woke me up and I couldn't go back from there. And so I just thank you for being vulnerable enough to share that and hope that people got something from not just your story, but from even the concept of keeping yourself and keeping yourself healing in the healing process to help others. So. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you for receiving it. Take good care of yourselves and we will see you next time. Bye. Welcome to our mentor moment. Today's topic is going to be self-care. And so in, um, in our podcast today, I mentioned that I use an acronym when I'm doing training specifically around vicarious trauma and wellness uh, related subjects. And so I'm going to actually take this time to describe that acronym to you, which is CAPS, really, because I think about all the roles and the different hats that we wear. And so I figured what better way to put a cap on it, which is to really kind of stick with learning how to maintain and manage and work our plan that we come up with our self-care plan. And so CAP stands for coping strategies, acknowledging of emotional emotions or feelings, a plan. So planning your self-care routine and then a self-care check-in. And so I'm really just going to simply give you a, a definition of each and an example. And so for the first thing, CAP, which is coping strategies, this is not your self-care plan, but these are the strategies you use when you are in the moment feeling distressed, when you're in the moment and you need an extra pick-me-up and or like a relief that kind of moves you away from or distracts you from what might be causing you some level of distress as a supervisor, as a, as a peer, as, a, as anyone, just finding that way to cope in the moment. And so some examples of this is things like learning how to be mindful, learning how to actually do a five, four, three, two, one distraction technique where you might say, name five things in a space, name five things that you can see that are the color blue. But then you also might say something like four uh, different things that you might be able to smell in the space, three things that you might be able to hear, two things that you might be able to touch, and then just one thing that might actually put you into a place where you are whole and positive about yourself. And so I really want to be intentional about knowing what coping strategies as a supervisor I need to immediately resolve 
things like getting grounded, getting back into a space where I am available to be less biased, to be less harmful, and to be more um, receptive to those five L's that we talk about within savvy supervision. And so really thinking about what those coping strategies are for you. The next thing we want to do is acknowledge your emotions and your feelings. Really, this one is just about being able to create time to reflect in the space, make sense of what you're experiencing, know it, name it, claim it, and then put something in response to it when it is an unpleasant or unhealthy emotion. So what that might mean is when it's a happy and joy, you just want to experience it, right? But when it's sad and gloom, you feel like, oh, I want to jump over this. I want to not deal with it. But the truth is we have to deal with it in the sense of acknowledging it so that we can handle deciding what skills or strategies we're going to need to respond to specific emotions to get back to a place of balance and harmony. The next thing you want to do is plan. Plan your self-care routine out. Um, many of us, self-care has been like this cliche conversation over and over again, where it's like self-care is not selfish, self-care, right? But the reality is that self-care is sometimes looking at all elements of your wellness, all elements of your health, your physical, emotional, spiritual, social, intellectual, and really taking those things and saying, how can I make sure that every single day I have an agenda in one of the areas to boost my well-being? And so, for example, I might exercise under physical. I might you know, do self-reflection or affirmations every day under emotional. Under spiritual, I might do hiking, meditation, prayer, um, singing. I might do a number of things that are reflective of my purpose. Um, under social, I might do support systems or how do I know who is healthy for me? Who is my five, um, my five go-to in my circle that bring me to a place of joy and, and happiness, whatever that may mean for you. And then my intellectual, what things am I doing to challenge my mind, to continue my learning? And sometimes am I separating it from the work that I do? So for example, when I'm reading books, I try to read books that are not related to social work, not related to trauma, not related to racial equity. I just want to enjoy the moment. So it might be a book on vampires. It might be a book on, um, uh, the other day I was reading a book on um, joy, the concept of joy, right? And things that you can do to be happy, right? Really looking at how can I engage in my self-care routine by creating the plan so that way I'm always aware of Monday, I'm going to the gym. Tuesday, I'm going to um, make sure I call a friend. Monday through Sunday, I'm going to be doing self-talk and affirmations. On su Sunday, I might go to church and or I might hike and spend some time in nature. I'm going to be very intentional about planning things out. And for those who are workers, in the sense that we are either the manager, supervisor, the employee doing the direct care, we need to learn to enjoy the reality of vacations. Taking vacations is something that we are, we've not just earned, but we deserve. And really being able to even plan vacation is a, is a sense of enjoyment that comes along with. So start planning, always be in planning mode when it comes to vacation. And then as much as possible, remember to transition from your job, um, from whatever work you're doing to your home with something that gives you a decompression. So for me, that's music, that's coloring, that's dance, something that brings you down so that when you go in that home or you go into your own environment, that you feel like it's refreshing and new and you're not drained from your day. And then last but not least, when it comes to the S is always do self-care check-ins. Pace yourself. 
Pay attention to your optimal performance times. When are you your best self? Balance from balance your task, like prioritize. Everything is not a crisis. Take breaks. Make sure that you model to your coworkers, model to your staff that breaks are a part of your success and theirs as well. And then make sure that as you are organizing your day, you include yourself. There is no need for us to burn out and then expect for this career that we've chosen to help and serve others to put us in a place of resentment and harm. We want to make sure that we put a cap on that. Make sure you are developing those coping skills, acknowledging those emotions, planning that um, self-care, and then doing a real check-in that's daily that will allow for you to be your best self. I hope this mentor moment makes total sense to you. Make sure you put a cap on the imbalance and get back on track with your well-being as you take care of yourself. I hope you all be well.